1: ny or text hope ny in new york
2: penn state's football season ended about a week ago and things have gotten even busier since then i'm thomas frank Carr in the bwi daily edition Uh, like everyone else we're pulling double duty we're going to talk about the transfer portal we're going to talk about what's going on today's the first official day of the fire hose of names coming out of the portal and i am not I am not. uh, Usually hyperbole is what I do. There are so many names. So we're going to pare it down for you on the show today. Give you the names you need to know, uh, at least some of those. And then, of course, we've got to talk about the Rose Bowl. That announcement came on Sunday. All that with Nate Bauer on the BWI Daily News. (laughs) Nate, I can see off-camera is confused by the sound that I'm playing right now. This is my predetermined Southern California Rose Bowl music From uh, from the bowl selection show we did on Wednesday where we previewed, the number one team we previewed, were the Utah Utes. By the way, happy holidays, Nate. How are you doing? Are you trying to decide where to start? Yeah, I don't with, know where to with go all with all the this. things going on. I don't, I don't know where to go with this. How do I, how do I address this?
3: What's, what's happening here?
2: Well, form form a uh, uh, to do list in your mind of what is causing you the most. Well, I just dis-
3: I don't know if that's is that Southern California music. Like if you wanted to play like a Beach Boys knockoff, right? Like a royalty freeze, like.
2: Uh so so it's the best i could do given the circumstances it's called southern california so when i put it when i put you search for it yes when i when i put in my search parameters and it came back something it's got kind of that you know laid back vibe i mean for royalty free music i'd love to have like some red hot chili peppers but I also want to, uh, you know, make sure our YouTube channel stays up and running.
3: I, I got you. I just, I, that feels more of a Wyoming, uh, I don't know. I, like, I've never I been you. to Wyoming, but I imagine that's what Wyoming sounds like. Well, uh, good, stuff. good stuff. Shout out
2: to whichever nameless person
3: wrote that
2: song whoever got no credit for the royalty for your music upload on YouTube this show is of the highest quality we only use premium brands and content for the show that's right that's right uh oh my gosh Nate there are so many things going on there are Uh, the first thing I want to say is the transfer portal is unhealthy oh my gosh and this is what I mean There are two times a year where I am on Twitter sitting and refreshing for hours and uh, for an hour today. It was a part of my job, but for an hour today I was just sitting on the on three recruits transfer portal updater and I was refreshing and refreshing. And the problem is I kept being rewarded. Nate, there were more names every four minutes today. Yeah. Um, So it's crazy. It's just a crazy start to the transfer portal season.
3: Yeah. I don't. One. I mean, thank God for Greg pickle. He just, uh, his, his eyes were like the clockwork orange, just glued (laughs) to it all day today. And so I was able to concentrate on doing some other things. Um, but I will say this, the, uh, one guy that I got a text from Sean Fitz to check out was Kyrie Jackson, the cornerback out of Alabama, who went into the transfer portal for the second time. He actually entered last week. Uh, this is, again, from Alabama. And, you know, let's be honest about this. <laughs> Penn State offers Alabama cornerback is as robust and ripe for viewing pleasure Right, as You can possibly have in this business. Uh, so I did, I did write up something about that, but yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it feels to me like there's, and James Franklin talks about this. There are two things going on, right? You have some people entering the transfer portal to actually see who bites, to see what's out there. yeah. Uh, and then you have other people who enter the transfer portal who say they are entering the transfer portal and technically they are entering the transfer portal, but they already know where they're going. Like they already yeah. like the, some of the, the the highest quality, most attractive type prospects. I mean, it's it's just it's a done deal already. And so yeah. there's a little bit of chasing your tail when it's like, oh, well, you know, maybe maybe Penn State's interested or maybe maybe right. But like the reality is it's already done in a lot of these cases. Yeah. So here's a very...
2: great example. Um, yeah. I don't I don't remember exactly when he went in the transfer portal, but it had to be in the last two days of making the announcement that he's going to put his name in the transfer portal. And then on day one, Phil Dracovic found his uh, home at Pitt. Uh, You know, this is what I'm saying. It's exactly like NFL free agency because there, there used to be the whole legal tampering period. Right. And, uh, or suddenly at 4 p.m., on whatever the new year day of the, the league calendar is sometime in March, it'd be suddenly you would have all these guaranteed deals, all these locked up deals that were signed. And it was like, there's no possible way for that to have happened in 45 seconds. So yeah. they put in a legal tampering bit. Like it's just going to be the same thing with the transfer portal, right? That it's just oh, it's the I mean, same sure. process.
3: Yeah. These things, I mean, these conversations have been going on since for a long time, right? Like back channels. I mean, it's, it, Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, Kenneth Coral, we are live. Just FYI,
2: somebody asked. I thought I would answer. Uh that. yes, yeah. For those Tap who don't it. know, uh, Kenneth, uh, today is live. Uh, we go live every Monday, and we're working on um, going live more often here on YouTube. Uh, so you know, Nate and I will be discussing as long as the kids are asleep off air. Kids have to be we asleep. We need to get, away, we need to get the um, we need to get the the uh, mailbag show back up and running in the off season. So I think that's going to be a priority here uh, in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, thank you for drawing my attention, by the way, to the chat and all the people in there like Jason, who's in every single day, every single show, whether it's live or whether it's uh, uh, recorded. He's reminding people to hit the like button. And Jason, thank you so much for your service. Thank you so much for helping us out in the uh, in the chat. And if you are watching this, please hit the like button. I, I see you. I see you whether you're commenting or not. So if you want to hit the like button, it'll help us grow the channel. It'll help us get out to other people that we're talking about the transfer portal. Um, and of course, don't forget to subscribe to Blue White Illustrated here on YouTube so you don't miss any of the breaking news that's going to be coming because it's not just the transfer portal, Nate. The overwhelming part is recruiting's going on right now. So you've got like yeah. one eye over here on where all the coaches are. And then you got the other eye over here of what they're doing in the transfer portal offering players. Yeah, and the funny the
3: funny part is, is my eye this is a plural or on neither of those things. (laughs) Like I'm, I am obsessed and you know, people can like it or not, but uh, I am very much watching player retention, right? Like that, that is the third wheel here that just doesn't in my mind, get quite enough attention is they are. Yes. Like James Franklin had his, press conference to for the rose bowl announcement last night i know we're going to get into it later uh you know but at some point during the press conference he was like uh yeah so you know we're practicing and these are development practices and uh we're recruiting and right now i'm sitting on a tarmac in an airport in yeah kansas i believe it was you know it's like yeah all over the place there's so many things going on all at once and um you know, it, like this is the reality is, this is going to be a crazy three weeks, right? Is because it gets to that December 21 date or whatever that is. And there it is. And then things can kind of relax and calm down a little bit. And some of the things that we don't know right now that are in process and progress of sorting themselves out, they'll be sorted out uh, very soon.
2: Yeah. But that's the part too. That I think is really interesting because you mentioned player retention, and those are the battles going on behind the scenes that we're not seeing. That we, unless you unless they're declaring for the po- the portal, you don't get, really get to see all the things that you've talked about routinely, and that uh, coaches across America have talked about of players entering the portal with deals in hand, essentially going mm-hmm. to other uh, places. Uh, Lionheart, twelve Lionheart uh, gives a, a donation to the channel. Appreciate you, 12 Lionheart, if you want to be like him and put something in the tip jar. That's always appreciated here on the live show. Uh, if not, we'll be talking to you guys and talking about uh, what you guys want to talk about here throughout the day. But let's get to some news. Let's get to some information for the people, Nate. That yep. uh, today, Day one of the portal, here are the, uh, the guys leaving the program. Now, not all of this came out today, but some of them did. So here is the updated list, obviously headlined by quarterback Christian Veyer who put his name into the portal earlier. Uh, I believe it was shortly after the season. Was it last Monday or something like that? But here's the full yeah. list. Jeffrey Davis Jr., Christian Veyer That was today. McGraw, and Malik McNeil, who left the program about a month ago. Yeah. What are yeah, your thoughts Jeff, about and, this
3: list? Yeah, just, you know, Jeff Davis was a guy who I talked to, Uh, in, it was, you don't want to call it funny, right? There, there's, there are some amusing elements to it. I talked to Jeff Davis, uh, when Penn state did its post first year, right? Like they, they got us all together from the media and we're, we were all able to talk to these guys who had been in the program for a year. Uh, so that was Jeff Davis, Christian Bayer, and, Roddy McGraw actually <laughs> just this past year uh and so we were able to talk to all of those guys but Jeff Davis in particular was you know was kind of a a hey the the, the tenor of the conversation that I had with him was wow this is all very new this is a lot uh you know the amount of film study the the, the entire culture process of transitioning from high school football to major big time college football was significant. And and yeah. to be fair, like that it is the case for a lot of people, but it was just an interesting conversation uh, seeing his name there today and reflecting on how that conversation went. It's like, well, well, you know, sometimes things aren't uh, the best fit and you, you can start to ascertain that like through two years, you're going to know, yeah. you're going to know whether or not you have a future and you have an opportunity. And I think certainly for some of those guys on that list, that is the the fairest way to, to read those situations.
2: Yeah it, some so going through some of the names in the portal today, one of the things that I have been efforting to do since names have cropped up is sort out the wheat from the chaff you know from the is it chaff or chaff the you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> Get the good names, right The ones that have Penn State, Ties, You know, with James Franklin has talked about, it's much easier for them and they tend to prioritize players they've had a relationship with, uh, Mm -hmm. whether individually or collectively as a staff. And then, you know, players that are good fits. So bluewhiteillustrated.com, sign up for $10, premium content. These are the reasons why. Because the transfer portal wire, which you should check out with all the names sorted out by position, is super helpful. But how are you supposed to know... If it's, you know, a second-year player transferring because they didn't get playing time or wasn't a good fit for them, or if it was a guy that, you know, is he going to be able to compete at Penn State? So that's what we try to do um, in a lot of different ways from a lot of different angles, whether it's fits with his uh, list this morning of the positional breakdowns or what I was doing today or some of the other stuff. You mentioned one of the players they officially offered com is the place to get that information. We do have a couple of public offers to get to, though, Nate. And these are the names that we know right now Penn State has put in an offer for, and we'll discuss a couple of these guys and what they mean for, I think, Penn State and some of the things that we've been speculating about. You mentioned Kyrie Jackson, who you you wrote about today. Jimmy Horn Jr. Uh, announced, I believe it was yesterday that he... Uh, or earlier today, I don't know, it's all a blur. It was yesterday that he had uh, a... Uh, official offer down to his final four Penn State was among them and then Dante Cephas here is the one that I think is going to get the most traction and attention uh, from Kent State two receivers and a corner Mm -hmm. Um, what does that tell you about Penn State's priorities in the transfer portal not just positionally but even within certain positions
3: yeah, that's there. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, I mean, corner is one that I don't think people necessarily expect, but it's one that mm-hmm. uh, with Joey Porter leaving, you know, you know that, you know, that uh, Johnny Dixon is probably nearing, you know, after next year, probably be his last year, Kalen King, it'll probably be his last year. So you've got to, you've got to replenish there. You've got to replenish your your stock of these really, I mean, those three names that I just listed are elite. Right, I mean, you're talking about first, second round draft picks, so yeah, that's a big, that's a big deal. You got to find that talent, Uh, you know, Kyrie Jackson, keeping
2: keeping the level at what it is right now, and I think that's kind of what you're saying. But like, the I just want to underline and bold it: Penn State's ability to play corners at this high of a level, it's great for any defense, but with Manny Diaz's defense in particular, we the thing I was afraid of all season for Penn State football was okay, you're going to play on an island here every once in a while. You're going to potentially give up big plays, but are those going to turn into seven? And is that worth the trade-off? And because their corners were so good, it never really materialized. Yeah, yeah. In
3: fact, James Franklin was asked about it, uh, that it, it allowed them to do so many things that they would not have been able to do otherwise based on, yes, the performance itself, but also the trust that Manny Diaz had in those players, so yeah, I mean, I, I just it's it's a it's a critical position. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like they're all critical, but right. I, I think in terms of in terms of unlocking uh, what they need to do on the defensive side of the ball, it's it's a big deal. Uh, and then those other guys, I mean, the the receivers, like it's there is <laughs> this one, this one is the the flashing red lights, right? Uh, that yep. Mitch Tinsley is is going to be gone. We'll see what happens with, with Parker Washington. I think certainly there's some, some reason to believe, you know, that he won't be back at Penn state next season, which leaves, you know, not, not a lot of established players. And again, that's kind of always the case, right? College football is, is a game filled with people who, uh, you know, have not yet had the opportunity to establish themselves, but then, then they do. Uh, you know, with <laughs> this group in particular at Penn state, it's just, it's just a lot of, of unknown. It's a lot here's of haven't seen it on the field.
2: Here's the point, And here's the point I want to get to Gavin C here in the chat as well is of now you have the transfer portal so previously you know the, the way it has always worked is freshmen don't play they build trust for three years then they become a starter and then they play for a couple years and then they move on right so there there at least was this now freshmen are playing you've got guys that are pressed into duty sooner because of the transfer portal and you have position you, you have both problems and opportunities the problem is your depth is cut up from under you almost every single season because guys that even if they weren't going to be high end starters were going to be role players and could be relied upon on and you knew what you were getting from them. Uh, but those guys are gone on the flip side. And Gavin says, let's just stick to Michigan and Georgia standards. Don't build teams off transfers. Stick to recruiting and development. I think that there has to be an understanding that that's not the point of what Penn State's going into. We're talking about the names that you've seen so far. Uh, they're not going to get 15 transfers. They have gotten a handful to fill holes in your roster. This is the college equivalent of... of NFL free agency. And if you can go find a veteran to step into the slot, if Parker Washington moves on, Jimmy Horn Jr. is a slot receiver um, with a lot of speed. Uh, if you can find a guy with some veteran proven track record to play along with some young freshmen, that's a sweet spot. Why wouldn't you want to be there? And Michigan's starting center this year was a transfer. Yep. so you know Michigan and Georgia also court transfers it's not about you know this is the proverbial reloading this is the opportunity to to make up on a miss in a recruiting class it's the opportunity to fill a need all those things are are you know cliches but they're also true and and every every smart program is going to identify talented players to gain them and and put them on the roster no matter what school they're from
3: yeah I think it's I think it there's a lot of things involved in this, right? It's uh, you you do not want to bring in so many transfers that it upends the tone and culture of your locker room. like you like it's just it's just too much what if uh, when you do that. But if you can pick and choose and, and uh, is there any question about their track record at this point for for Penn State? I mean you you are literally looking at so many, influential, uh, yeah. good players that have come from the transfer portal over the last two or three years. But, right. I mean, I, I just <laughs> Penn state will, will, it'll be a, a similar thing. I think this year where, uh, you know, maybe instead of one receiver, it's two, uh, yeah. but a, a lot of yeah. those other positions that you're looking at, I mean, it's going to be, Hey, uh, identify the best fit uh, the, the the highest quality player that you can find in that group and make a connection there and go for it you know and yeah. and maybe maybe you're going to have some other situations look it's not like it's not like Penn State um wasn't identifying linebackers at this time last year to pull it right right and it didn't happen but they were still trying uh they were trying for quarterbacks 2 years ago that didn't happen uh th- right so there's <laughs> there, there are just different uh, considerations that have to be made um you know for for Penn state and the parties at hand to to make the right fit uh and decide whether or not that's something they want to pursue
2: so this is you make a, a great point about fit at the end um this is something i've been thinking about and and a part of the conversation that i think is I never know. You never know if it is or isn't something that they'd be interested in or that is a part of the equation. But uh, immediately when I look at this and I see Kyrie Jackson is six foot three. Joey Porter Jr. is a long corner. That size, they don't really have guys right now that have that length on the roster. They have a lot of guys that are you know in that 511 to 6 foot range and if they want to have a boundary corner you know one of those guys that is in that mold of Joey Porter Jr they're going after uh, in recruiting Daniel Harris a 6 foot 2 corner with great wingspan Kyrie Jackson so clearly uh, you know they're good football players let's start with that of uh, you know a top 50 or top 100 recruit in the nation and of course a guy that has been uh, in football since as this is saying here Nate 2017 <laughs> is that accurate <laughs> i don't i don't know i mean i think 2000 he he had two years at juco
3: and then okay i mean my, my you know looking at this guy my uh, uh hesitation is i mean he was basically suspended from Alabama football in the last Mm -hmm. week and a half of the season. And so to me, that raises a little bit of a red flag that I'm not sure. And it was, it was without explanation from Nick Saban. But when you've got a guy who started one of the first three games at corner and then really did not play on the defensive side of the ball, the rest of the season, he was special teams only like Mm -hmm. the, the trajectory for his career at Alabama was on a pretty marked down like it was not yeah. it wasn't yeah. going up and so that doesn't that doesn't necessarily uh, align for me with how the, the the types of players that penn state has been able to land previously right if right. you're looking at arnold epichetti mitchell tinsley it's guys who were were solid studs at a lower level who, who had yeah. established themselves and were looking for that opportunity this uh he, he doesn't seem to fit that mold
2: yeah, and I, I agree, uh, and I thought it was an interesting fit as well, but that's where I go back to then, you know, positional fit, and within the yeah, position, even mean? though you're bringing in Elliot Washington and you're bringing in some talented football players in this class as well and recruiting, um, you know, th- if there are other factors that they're looking for, uh, that that to me is something that, Kind of another piece of this puzzle. Another cool thing about the transfer portal and on three in the on three database in the player profiles. If they're in the transfer portal, they'll give you the percentages just like it's recruiting because this is basically recruiting again. So another great reason from to check Maryland. Out the, yep. Local right. l- local tie as well. So all that information and you can see where they were in their recruiting classes. Previously, So, you know, Kyrie Jackson, obviously a talented player. You can see here, 247 and ESPN had him as the number one corner in the nation back in whatever year it was, whether it was 2017, 2018. Um, but yeah, all the resources for you at On3 if you want to check that out That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW group Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, here are the, let's get to the positions that we think are important. We've mentioned two of them. Those aren't the only two that are going into the portal and what Penn State's looking for. So here are our top uh, needs in the transfer portal. We've mentioned wide receiver. Um, how, you know, 10 seconds here. Receiver, it, you're, you're thinking two receivers in the portal because you're pretty confident Parker Washington that, Feels like it's moving on. I
3: I don't. I I don't know. At least one. At least one. I mean, you know, like uh, how aggressive do you want to be? I mean, my my uh, sense of it on the front end of things, even before this season, was just like an aggressive, an aggressive uh, approach. Right. Yeah. Because you could see you could see some of the guys that uh, may or may not pan out. But there, there is an element that I don't think gets talked about enough of. Uh, yes, everyone has a different journey and a different tra- trajectory. But if you're three years in and you haven't been able to demonstrate that you're of the caliber that's needed and you don't seem to be improving upon whatever level it is that you're at. If you've plateaued, that becomes that becomes problematic and an indicator of what's likely to to happen in the future.
2: So for those of you listening here on the podcast version, first off, thank you so much for being uh so awesome and downloading so regularly and having such a great audience. Um happy holidays to you. Thank you. Happy holidays to people watching on YouTube as well, but talking to the people on the podcast today. Uh, not all these niceties are for you here on the YouTube channel. Also want to let you know that what we put up there on uh, the, the screen was receiver, defensive tackle, running back, and cornerback. So now everyone's on the same page. Um, we talked about corner and receiver. Defensive tackle, another one of those very specific needs of who's the next P.J. Mustafer. You mentioned some of those things, talking about guys moving on, not fitting, not developing – that's a heat to me. And I think that's pretty clear that that's another big need for Penn State football is somebody to command that, that defensive tackle position, that one technique as a run stuffer. How difficult is that one going to be?
3: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, they you know, uh, there aren't a ton of 310 pound humans out there that fulfill that, uh, you know, look like, PJ Bustafer was a big deal. It was a it was a huge element to have him uh this season. I think that you're gonna anticipate, right, that uh Hakeem Beeman will be back uh mm-hmm. next season. And then you've got Kaziah Izzard who who is gonna be a big part of that. But you know, I look at a guy like Jordan Vandenberg and I wonder I wonder where he's at, right? Because he's he's yeah. had buzz. There, there's been things about him that have been spoken positively, but Uh, you know, just uh, again, like it, it, it almost feels as though he's um, he's hit a level and either hasn't had the opportunity or hasn't kind of earned that opportunity to take it to the next level. Right. And so that's, I don't know. I I mean, I, I do think that that's a position where you have some questions about who they have coming because Devon Elise is not going to be here. Right. (laughs) I mean, yeah. that's, you know, so where, where do you go? You got Zane Durant there. Uh, it's just it, there, there aren't a ton of bodies that uh, that kind of fulfill that role for you.
2: That They are overwhelmed with quality three techniques. They have guys that, and again, I, I don't know how how big of a difference it is in this system, truthfully, because they're stunting and they're slanting. And they're not, it's not like you've got a guy that's always lined up next to the center, Uh, you know, who who's in that gap and who's always commanding that that double team area, you know, they're, they're moving everywhere. So quickness and athleticism and, you know, strength through contact are important uh, from that three technique position anyway, because sometimes you're slanting into the a gap. So, uh, but it is something you, James Franklin talked about it, wanting to have bigger defensive tackles anyway. I don't think that's at the sacrifice of athleticism, but generally having another guy like PJ Mustford on the roster is something that's important. And you're right, with Jordan Vandenberg, the opportunities haven't been there because he's been buried on the depth chart behind those veterans. And earning those snaps, you know, if if he hasn't been able to do that now, he has to make that push this offseason because I, I think he's got tweener ability between those two, three technique and one technique. Um yeah. and if if he's behind you know, let's say that I'm in. I'm wrong about this, and he was he suffered because Kaziah Izzard came back. Well, that means that you know they're still looking for that then other still position. Have two of those, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got a couple things here in the chat. I want to get to. Um, this is a guy that I think is really interesting. Elijah Judy from Philly went to Texas A&M. He's in the portal now. Two hundred ninety-five pound defensive tackle. Um, one of the guys that I highlighted in my article earlier today. He's an interesting situation. He played defensive end for Texas A&M, but Texas A&M likes their defensive ends beefy. Like all of them, DeMarvin Leal was 295 pounds as a defensive end, and and that's kind of where Judy was playing for them. Coming out of high school, he was an edge. So is he better as an edge defender? Is he naturally 295? Was that interfering with his ability to get on the football field? He could be a guy that uh, fits for a team as a tweener, Or he could be the Amin Vanover, who was 275, 280 at one point, and then down to 256, and, you know, he has the body type to play either, but if he plays kind of a physical defensive end role and drops down and and loses some weight, he might get more quickness and explosion. But Penn State doesn't need another defensive end necessarily. So that's kind of the situation with that guy. Um, Kent says O-line, O-line, O-line. That's not on any of our lists here, Nate, uh, that we've talked about. So yep. difficulty yeah, I, of getting an offensive lineman and what they've got on the roster. Can we have that discussion of, you know, the Rhode Island tackle everyone's been mentioning in the chat, just getting a guy here who wants to maybe not play next year. Yeah. H- how is that going to work out for Penn state of the portal?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think that there's still some things to be worked out, right? You, you know, that Olu's coming back. What's Caden going to do? Uh, you know, um, uh, Tangwall, his position flexibility. Uh, Hunter Norzad's coming back. Not sure what Juice is going to do yet. Obviously, Sal uh, expected to come back. Uh, so you know, uh, Bryce Eftner, I don't think has made an announcement on on what he dis- what he thinks he's going to do yet. So I think that there's a little bit left to be resolved there. But certainly, the way that the season played out for Penn State. Uh, an insurance policy there, like things got very thin at tackle very quickly. <laughs> but but again, I mean, it's right. just, it, it remains the same situation. uh Who who is going to sign up to play behind Olafishanu? And yeah. if it's not, or behind Caden Wallace, Wallace, or behind Caden Wallace, and yeah. really, is, are they? Is the guy stepping in going to supplant Drew Shelton? you know, and, and I'm not saying that Drew's there. I don't think that he is there, but he's a guy who certainly is, is on a trajectory that's there. And so like, unless somebody can come in and feel as though they can get into the mix of being among those top three tackles, that's a, that's a tall ask, right. Right. As opposed to a hundred noise who you could appeal to and say, Hey, you might not necessarily start this year, but you have two years to play and you, you can very quickly make your way into a three-man guard rotation, uh, right? It, it's just it was just a little much bit easier in front of to a play.
2: You can play four people at three positions on the inside more than you can play two at uh, really three just two at one at right tackle because right. you're not you're not moving your left tackle out of that position unless you have serious problems. So really, the le- the right tackle is the only place you're going to rotate at that point.
3: Yes, I'm sorry, I'm looking at these comments it's it's like overwhelming. <laughs> let's get into
2: the next one then because i i think that that the most likely scenario that i'm seeing is that bryce Hefner comes back and you run it back at tackle plus some of the young guys i know somebody in the uh um some people in chat were saying uh, Javen williams and that's another good point of uh again I, phil troutwine has been putting people well ahead of their curves but that's but, a tall ask yeah super athletic guy um you know and you want to let him the whole point is not to be in a position where Drew Shelton is playing half the season the point yep. is that Javen Williams should be able to redshirt and work on all those things and come out as a much more polished product before you see him the point is always get rid of the warts before football, before fans see all of that stuff it's just not always a reality it's 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 high so
3: much of high school at that level is just being physically so much better than the opponents that you're facing. Like you have to learn how to be an offensive lineman. Like that's a
2: process.
3: (laughs) Most of these guys don't know how to play offensive line. Like they don't, you know, they just, they don't have any idea what those techniques are.
2: You're supposed to do very specific things that your coach teaches you to do. And those in high school are, are, are more condensed. Most guys aren't coming out with a large toolbox of skills, which is why I was so crazy about Landon Tangwall is because I saw him do a bunch of different things on film and do it pretty well. Um, you know, guys like Javen are athletically phenomenal, and and in the things he's asked to do, which by the way he's asked to play two guard positions and tackle throughout his his career. At why uh, why I'm missing, uh, he does those things incredibly well. His technique in those things is great, but he's not asked to pass protect a whole lot. The same was true true of Drew Shelton. And uh, and that's where I'm saying, like Phil Troutwine's putting these guys way ahead of schedule, and and J- uh, Javen's a smart guy. You know, I'm not going to take it out of the, the the realm of possibility, but you don't you don't want to be putting high school, you know, newly minted college offensive linemen into position where they can fail more than they succeed.
3: Yeah, you're not you're not counting on it. if you're you're counting on it you're doing it wrong like that's not (laughs) like sometimes you could be surprised i mean there's lots of surprises right Abdul nobody knew that abdul was going to do what he did this year now there were hints there there were some levels of expectation that he could be a guy who could play but like this no You, you, you just don't know and so if that's if that's what you're counting on uh you know you set yourself up for potential disappointment there
2: uh, sorry, I was distracted. I was uh, checking. I know media. the comments. It's unbelievable. <laughs> no, uh, that that has been. So I'm going to get to co- lambda's comment that I've had up here for a while. Um, but I was checking the the Twitter to see if there are any more co- uh, any more entries in the transfer portal because I need to feed my addiction. Uh, it it got they, it's like it got a, bad today. Like I got a headache like, uh, from staring at screens all day.
3: It's like a uh, uh, slot machine. You're just like. <laughs>
2: Uh, is it sad to tell you that I wouldn't, I don't know that reference cause I've never, I've never actually gambled in my life. Hey, good for you. That's not true. That great. That, that's not true. For my buddy's birthday, I went to the casino in Pittsburgh with
3: $60. Did you leave with $60?
2: <laughs> I, I definitely did not. I did yeah. not. That was yeah. not an, that was not an expectation. Uh, but yeah, I was staring at screens all day and like, I just bugging out like you know when you're scrolling and you you're, you've you stopped paying attention to what you're seeing that that's what I was doing today and I actually got like a headache it was kind of annoying because I've been staring at a screen all season long and suddenly looking down at my laptop today I get a headache but the good news is I had a little helper uh, to get the headache to go away and that I got from my friends over at rogue shop see rogue shop is a small batch of uh, high-quality uh, cannabis farm in Wisconsin. Uh, they're the sponsor of our Monday live show, and they sent me some stuff to help me out in these situations where you're working too hard and you're staring at a screen. And this is not even a work thing. Like, if you just are somebody that comes home from work, sits on the couch and scrolls, you probably have tension in your body that you didn't realize. Tension leads to inflammation. Inflammation is the most destructive thing in your body, uh, and it's a leading cause of all kinds of problems. So I actually have it with me here. I had a headache. I took a little bit of this. This is the uh, CBD tincture um, and it's, it helps by reducing inflammation. So all of the uh, irritated ocular nerves and everything, they all calmed down, had a little water, had uh, the strawberry, by the way, a sugar-free strawberry, and they're gluten-free, so they're safe for my household. Uh, the CBD tincture, you put a little bit on your tongue, you let it absorb and then it gets in and it reduces the inflammation throughout your body so it's not just targeting one area it's not like a, they do have uh, lotions and some rub on stuff if you want to target a specific area, but if you want some whole body treatment, the CBD tincture is great I've talked about the Delta 9 gummies all season long, when I need to sleep and I haven't been able to sleep, I use those to make sure I get there, so use the promo code BWI I've been just telling you, I keep forgetting this part, use the promo Code BWI. This is very important to us for 10% off. And it also lets them know you came from the Daily Edition and you came from uh from Blue White Illustrated. So make sure you go to rogueshop.com, R-O-G-U-E shop.com. Use promo code BWI for 10% off. Um we let's get back to Lambda because he was asking about Dante Thornton. That's the one that I think that one of the biggest prizes in the transfer portal for uh for Nittany Lions fans. Um, speed. Nate, Mm -hmm. at this point, I don't think I care, but Penn State needs to get speed in the portal at receiver, and I think that, you know, that's one of those things that Thornton would check off the list at 6'5", no less.
3: Is, uh, so we're saying Omari Evans doesn't have it?
2: No, I'm not saying that Omari Evans doesn't have it, but it kind of comes back to the same conversation about uh, young players and, and proving yourself and reloading. So you, you have two guys coming back that have enough snaps I think that you would say you have a baseline understanding of who they are or you know who they are in Keandre Lambert-Smith and uh, Harrison Walls. Amari um, Evans didn't I know he was on the field but I don't feel like he produced a whole lot last year where I have a good strong understanding of outside of speed what he brings to the table yet. I mean, right. He is still very much in development, and I think it, more than anything was pressed into duty a little bit because they needed that speed. So if you can get a vet again reloading, so that you have yeah. the opportunity to reach the Big Ten championship game, and all of those things that Penn State football fan uh, uh, that they want is and and realizing the the high highs of Drew Aller, I, I do think you need to find more speed for this roster.
3: Yeah, and uh, certainly it would seem. To be an enticing uh, proposition, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I understand that you, there's a little bit of an unknown about uh, Drew Aller, but uh, not really. I mean, he's he's gonna be the guy, and he's a guy who has shown, I think, enough to to believe that there's gonna be a lot of opportunity there in the passing game for Penn State. I mean, you know, there's uh, it's a, uh, I see perspectives as being very interesting, right? Because if you're, if you're a receiver looking at this roster, are you saying, oh, there's too much other talent to get the ball, right? Like there's too much Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, the the tight ends that they have. Um, is that, is that too much to, that it's going to take away from you? Probably not. Right? Like, I mean, uh, Keanu Lambert-Smith uh, does not appear to be a 70 reception kind of guy. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, the two guys that they threw the ball to the most, uh, Tinsley is has to be gone. And then we'll see with Parker Washington. There could be real opportunity there. They're, like, somebody's yeah. going to have to fill that role. And you would think whoever it is is going to have a great opportunity to – it's not like Drew Willard is going to be under duress all season with a, yeah. a first-round pick at, at offensive tackle coming back. So yeah. I, I don't know. It seems to it seems to be a rosy uh, opportunity for whoever wants it, but you still got to identify those guys and bring them in.
2: You, oh, you you set it up so well, and I'm going to watch this fastball come over the plate, and I'm just going to move on. Uh, it was don't, it is a very rosy bowl of hit the picture, it. but no, no, I, I I have to make one last point before we go on to the Rose Bowl. And that is, <sighs> I, I don't know if it's wise to continue featuring tight ends as your primary receiving weapons. And I know that they were not, but they are a large focal point of the offense and formationally and all the other things of having 12 personnel out there and having your two tight ends on the football field, having them be receiving threats that get schemes and designs. I think that they are incredibly valuable, but the most valuable player in the receiving game is the wide receiver going downfield. That's why I'm um, about speed here, is that it, your fastest tight end is a decent speed wide receiver. And, you know, until we get to the, you know, George Kittles and Gronks and everybody in the NFL, and then you have the true bizarro world matchup problems that do destroy the defense but we're not talking about that. What, what, what you need is you need a guy that can catch a slant for eight yards, break (laughs) one tackle in an RPO situation and go 75. Yep. And, and do that more than once a season featuring the receiver in the passing game and having the dynamic ability to hit multiple levels of the field should be the bedrock of the offense and should be, you know, this is a percentage swing, right? We're talking about the tight ends being more involved and being more featured this year because they didn't have three receivers that they felt putting out there and and running the offense through those guys. If your running game is giving you space and you can throw the ball downfield, great. If your passing game is giving your running game space, great. If they're both a threat and they're only truly both a threat when you have a receiver that can challenge the the routinely challenge the deep part of the field and a quarterback, obviously that's when you have unstoppable offenses. And 2016 maybe was the last time they had that, you know, 2017 one of the issues was they lost some of that speed. They lost some of that big playability and things kind of, they had to work through that uh, with that next group of players. So getting back to that situation, that is the golden goose. That is the ideal situation you want to be in of producing elite, talented wide receivers and running backs and all that stuff. So that's my piece about receivers and, and wanting those guys on your offense. Let's get to the Rose Bowl. Let's because Penn, State, Penn State's going back to one of the biggest games in college football. And Nate, um, you travel to all of the away games. You travel to multiple bowl games over your mm-hmm. illustrious career. Mm-hmm. Has it sunk into you that you're likely going to one of the last Rose Bowls ever? Like true Rose Bowls? Or am I asking the wrong person?
3: No, I think, (laughs) look, uh, I will say this. Uh, I think that the Rose Bowl itself is cool, okay? Like the stadium, the Rose Bowl, particularly with the vantage point from the press box where the sunlight just kisses the uh, the mountain range there, just over the 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 opposite end zone, uh, like it's it's cool. It's it's just a cool place. But to me, that's the appeal. I, I don't care about the other rows. Like Vince Young doesn't matter to me in this situation. <laughs> I want what's best for college football way more than I want. The health and survival of any individual <laughs> bowl game. I, right. I just right, and so is is the Rose Bowl venue still available? Like yes <laughs> y- or yes, no? I
2: believe so. I believe it. Then is. it's fine.
3: Then it's fine. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I, I just we 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 worship at these idols of like tradition of of a tradition that like just is setting the sport back from reaching its potential. And so uh, I'm excited to go to the Rose bowl. Yes. I think that it's going to (laughs) be really fun. I think it's going to be very, very cool. I like LA and I think that the game itself is going to be great. I just, I don't this, like this insistence on, Having everything stay the same always is Mm -hmm. such a cancer to college football because there are there's a better way. There's a better way. And if the Rose Bowl venue and the people who put it on and all of those things are secure and it's not on January 1st or guess what? They're already changing, right? They, they're already moving yeah. it to January 2nd because it's on a Sunday and we yep. also have to worship at the idol of the NFL. So yes, like things have already been, And
2: don't you, t- I will not allow you <laughs> to know, approach the any of that stuff. The slander.
3: <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just saying, uh, as long as those things still have an opportunity to continue and we could still get in traffic jams, getting into the parking lot at the Rose bowl uh, <laughs> all, all the better. I can't wait. Yeah. I think it's going to be great.
2: So this is coming from uh, the, the film analyst who sits in my uh, film dungeon and hasn't gone to a game in two years. So I think that's a little bit of my bias here coming through of like, you get to go to the game and be in LA and, Travel and and uh, sit, sit in on a traffic tarmac, sit in traffic, and hang around all with ex- other sports
3: writers. <laughs> My goodness,
2: <laughs> you live a charmed life. Uh, but it should be a good game. Charming. You're right. Yeah, should be a good yeah. game.
3: um, there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity for Penn State to be like. I understand that Utah's not a name, uh, program mm-hmm. necessarily necessarily in the minds. I think in terms of blue bloods, but uh good Ooh. good team who beat a top 10 team twice this year which Penn State wasn't and able to it, do it's uh,
2: not uh, it's not a flash in the pan either like they've no, they have run the the Pac 12 the last couple of years and i understand yep. that, that coincides with uh USC not being good yep. but they have taken it to Oregon and USC and just about any other team that they have faced over the last several seasons in these big games. So this is a very dangerous team in Utah,
3: but lost to Oregon this year and lost to UCLA. And those are the only things that really, I mean, Utah is a team that could have been in the playoff had it not stubbed its toe uh, twice. Like, I mean, obviously at Florida to start the season is not the way that you want to start, but uh, you know, those three losses, if they had, been able to, well, I don't know with two losses. They weren't going to be part of it um, anyway, but I digress. Uh, it is Great. a good team. And they <laughs> showed that on Friday night against Southern Cal the, the interesting thing to me, uh, Kyle Whittingham was asked last night about uh, like the, kind of the trajectory of the program. And if he had thought back in 1994, that this was uh, someplace that Utah could be winning the, the PAC 12 twice in a row, and I was like, 94? He's been there for that long. Yeah. <laughs> like, isn't that wild? I, yeah. I had no idea. I, I had no idea. I mean, he, he took over head- for
2: Urban Meyer uh, after Urban Meyer left Utah and their national championship. He's been the head coach there for 20-some years. Like, you know, I, I talked about this before. My, my wife is a Utah alum, so I get to hear all the tea about Kyle Whittingham from her okay. dad. We okay. we we talk about Kyle Whittingham all the time. He is seen as uh I don't want to give him Joe Pa status, but it's close. Like by that fan base, he, he can do no wrong.
3: Very respected. Yeah. Does a lot of things well, runs a a good program. No, I think I mean and tough, right? It just he has yep. that uh grittiness to him. So yeah, it will yeah. be it this like this will be a challenge for Penn State. I mean, there's no question.
2: Uh and I, don't, I actually haven't seen the lines. Have you seen a line yet? Uh, I've, I've seen varying ones on Twitter, so I don't trust them. I think one had Penn State as a two and a half point advantage and one that had. Oh, Utah. no. But I don't know that I'm right about that. I'm not the person you should be asking about the line. It's <laughs>
3: always in the chat, dude. This is terrible.
2: It's oh, <laughs> no. Oh, no. OK, we'll get to that. We'll get <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. She took over my last show. She was she was stumping for Utah in the last live show we did post the Michigan State game, and here she is again, showing up and telling everyone how great uh, Utah is. Uh, West, West Coast football <laughs> is just awful. It's just just terrible. So that's because of, you know out there. Kyle Whittingham is a Big Ten coach in the in the Pac twelve, and that's why they've been so successful. He said with total East Coast bias. Um, anything else that the coaches said yesterday during the? Press conference for the Rose Bowl or James Franklin's press conference shortly after that piqued your interest because I have something on it. I'll come back to your, your Kyle Whittingham comments after you, you have anything else. No, you go first. What do you got? So, the interesting thing that to me is, you know, look back and Kyle Whittingham's time at Utah. And I just, we just spent all this time talking about how this is a good program, and I'm fascinated with program building. And not from the coaching perspective necessarily, but the time it takes to accumulate clout essentially and become a blue blood. And Utah is doing all the things right. They've gotten into the right conferences. They've won their games. They're consistently good. They put, Last year's Rose Bowl was awesome. Mm-hmm. That was such a good game. They don't really come out flat all that often. And they're gonna get left in the dust, like by conference uh, contraction. Because we talk about the college football playoff expanding, and maybe that's a part that will that will help, but there's a there's a ceiling here, and and I think that that to me is what I think is interesting, and you know, kind of the, some of the things that I've been wondering about a program like Utah, of uh, you know, we see a couple on the East Coast, maybe in Florida, teams that want to get better and are investing in their infrastructure and all those things to compete, but at at the end of the day, if you're not in a major market or you're not a major program that draws eyeballs. It doesn't like there. We've not talked about bringing Utah into the big 10 in this conversation of the PAC 12 and the big 10 merging. It's going to be about all the other schools that aren't as good at football, which is disappointing that that merit going back to your point about the bowl games merit doesn't mean Jack.
3: I mean, is, I I don't know. I'm following this probably less than most of the people in this chat. Uh, like is UCLA a sure thing? Isn't that like up in the air now that they, they yeah. I, my only point is I, I think that there's an interesting conversation to be had about people talk about media markets yeah. and I, I am seeing a world where that doesn't seem to matter anymore. Right. Who subscribes to cable anymore? <laughs> like, right. Who's, who's actually getting over the air television uh at this point or or normal cable television. And so if Utah it pre- presents a compelling product that uh I mean I'm not saying that they're just gonna waltz into a, a plum situation based on just being good, but if if the investment is there and they have the broader support of whatever community it is that you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what Utah's alumni base looks like. I don't know right. what their reach is, but uh, you know, certainly it doesn't seem to me. It seems to me as though different barriers in terms of geographically. I mean, obviously with LA, uh, the LA, you uh, USC, excuse me, and UCLA coming into the big 10 like that. It doesn't matter. It ca- does your program. Does your, do your athletic programs, plural, fit the mold? Does your academic profile fit the mold of something that is of value to the big 10, right? From a TV dollar standpoint, I I don't know. I I don't.
2: Yeah. So I mean, does Oregon, like does Oregon? Well, yes, I I think Oregon presents more uh, options in terms of (laughs) Nike and uh sure. you know brand appeal and just generally more again more depth of time of being a part of the whole thing i love by the way i sorry i was distracted during your conversation about you know streaming basically is what you're talking about just streaming of why it's about if foxsports.com and the big 10 network and all the, the ways you can watch these programs it doesn't necessarily mean cable's the answer um, I'm terrified by the way of a future where you have to subscribe to every single football game. Cause I will be broke. Um, but I was distracted <laughs> by the fact, um, that the, that the chat had just turned into anyone who knows anything about any Mormons was just saying all their Mormon facts in the chat and spelling Mormons wrong. Uh, ha- hang on a but- second,
3: Sam, I didn't say that he took over, no. uh, in 1994. He's been there since 1994. Yes. He was an assistant coach there back in 1994.
2: Yep, and then took over in two thousand four. Yeah, so that's what I was correcting. I was just bringing that up to uh, to correct. Yeah, Sam, but so I didn't you. make a mistake, so yes, say it. <laughs> um, anything about this game uh, that sticks out to you? Uh, the signature win thing. You know, that's been yeah. the whole conversation about Penn State's regular season. Here's another I, top ten team. <laughs> I wrote. I wrote a very lazy column
3: on Sunday about how. Something that James Franklin talked about earlier this year in November, right? About winning all the games that you should, uh, but also being able to win a marquee game. And Penn yeah. State won all the games it should and didn't win a marquee game. Utah uh, did not win all of the games that it should. It lost yep. to lower ranked, lesser opponents in yeah. Oregon at the time. And Especially UCLA, Florida. Sure, and Florida. Uh, uh, so didn't take care of that business but then did take care of beating Southern Cal who is an undeniably good program and good team right now. Yeah. Uh, under Lincoln Riley. So uh, th- it's, it's kind of this again, lazy, cause it's a, it's an obvious storyline, but these two different objectives, right. For uh, Utah, it can finish out the season on a high note and, you know, get another scalp. Uh, and for Penn state, it's the final opportunity to get a big a big name a big yeah uh, opponent who's been able to to compile a resume this season. So, no, I think it's compelling, but also I don't think it matters.
2: It's, it's
3: like <laughs> yeah, right. It, <laughs> it's a bowl game.
2: Yeah, um, it's fine. A couple things that I've seen of them on film looking at them specifically, the right side of the offensive line, they have violence in their heart. So, you know, when we talk about uh, You know, guys, I'm generally not overly impressed with offensive linemen. That's got me in trouble in the past because it's hard to have good college offensive linemen. And especially when we have this threshold of what everyone thinks is happening, when you, you're road grading offensive linemen and guys that, you know, are you're getting beat up at the line of scrimmage. And it's like people expect it to look like a cartoon, right? Where it's like you're going through two or three brick walls and then you're landing on your face. Yeah. It's never like that. But I've seen a couple of blocks where it's kind of like that on film from the right side of this offensive line. They are really well coached in the run game. The passing game, maybe not so much. Um, And and this is another conversation when I talk about some limiting factors for football teams. Dalton Kincaid is the number one receiver for Utah. And they're explosive if their offensive running game works. But if you can shut that down, you can frustrate this offense because a tight end is their number one receiver. And you're only going to get so far down the field when you're 250 pounds, unless you're like, I don't know, Megatron, you know, if you're Calvin Johnson, sure, but you need to have a little more balance on offense. And I think they achieve balance in different ways. As we talked about James Franklin's ideas of balance and all those things. But, Th- this, as much as we talk about, like they're very good in the run game. They've got three backs that they give the ball to. They have explosive runners as well. So the Penn State isn't the only team coming in with guys that can rip off highlight l- real runs. But um, the balance of that team is very specific, where they need to establish they need to establish the run because they need play action and they need deep shots with Cam Rising, who looks like Uncle Rico. He looks like I I apologize I
3: over that there mountain.
2: Yeah, he looks like the guy Uncle Rico thought he was. That's actually more accurate. Of the guy that Uncle Rico thought he was as a quarterback is what Cam rising is. Um he's he's kind of like he's Slander. a better he, <laughs> He's a better Sean Clifford and Peyton Thorne, where every once in a while he'll wow you with a great throw. Um and then a lot of them are are wonky, but overall he this is a game of game managers between these two mm-hmm. quarterbacks. Guys mm-hmm. that take care of the football, they move the offense, they operate things well, but they are not going to command a uh, uh, the game necessarily. You're not winning and losing the game on the shoulders of those players. Now, they have in certain situations, but uh, not, not the focal point of either offense. And that's just a quick thumbnail scout on uh, this game coming up uh, for the Rose Bowl. Nate, I'm glad anything you left? Took
3: it. Yeah, I, I mean... I think I was three quarters of a bottle of Pinot Noir uh, in before I started watching that game on Friday night, and so I don't remember anything about it. I I just remember uh, Urban and Kyle like really hugging each other in the post game show. That was it. They just they really liked each other. But outside of that, I yeah no no opinion. But I do have an opinion about Matt Rule at Nebraska. Just chiming in on the chat. Yes, going to go well. It's not going to go well. You can't you can't solve that unless you get you convince people to live in nebraska which is getting harder and harder to do well no offense uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. The,
2: the whole work from home movement didn't seem to help although that might have a delayed effect of like i don't know 18 years before it really you know helps you got are we doing
3: gotta... scott wilson i mean he paid us for this
2: oh i'm sorry i was uh i was already off to my outro screen i didn't have up the uh and have up the chat time capsule true or false Joe paterna's first bowl game as head coach at Penn State was 1923 Rose Bowl <laughs> versus USC hundred years ago. Tuition was $250 at Penn State. <laughs> Scott true. I think, true. I think we're sure going to go. I'm going to, we're going to go with true and in slander in that 100 years, this is something that came up this weekend a lot. Penn State has never played Utah ever, which how about two that? years ago? 2 years ago, not to bring up not to bring up the uh, the wife again. 2 years ago, maybe even 3, she she was like, Zoe said to me, "So what's the likelihood of Penn State playing uh Utah ever?" And I said, "Well, have to be in a bowl game." Sure. And that would require Utah to win the Pac-12 championship and for Penn State to win the Pac- the Big 10 championship or to go to the Rose Bowl. And the likelihood there is, is almost never. <laughs> and then of course, Two years later, Utah goes back to back to the Rose uh, to the Rose Bowl and Penn State somehow through the the magic of the universe. uh, All I'm saying is that this is all my wife's fault, that that this is happening because of Zoe. Penn State can
3: thank Utah for the opportunity. I mean, honestly, they, they almost owe it
2: to Utah to lose this game. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, am i wrong <laughs> no I, I i kind of agree and then it goes to the whole program building narrative of you got to make sure utah is a valuable program so that meritocracy is saved and they totally. are a valuable uh program that only is built on wins so i'm i'm kidding penn state fans that's it i'm done yeah but, uh, we're, we're gonna get out of here before somebody gets really angry and starts throwing rocks um, so that'll do it for the BWI Daily Edition. The recruiting show coming up tomorrow. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, to YouTube where you see this video. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
0: Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops
1: until they cut
0: down the nets.